Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Braden. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new, uh, we are going to be continuing our sermon series on the Beatitudes. We've been working through that over the last few weeks. You notice I'm wearing a mask. I'm not sick. I'm not dangerous. Uh, I just wanted to be a bit careful because my wife's a bit unwell. Uh, but before we get into our, our sermon, uh, I'm going to pray and then um, we'll get into it. Uh, Father, we, we thank you once again that you're a good God. We thank you for Lockie. We just thank you for compassion and just all the amazing things that are going on around the world. Uh, as we come together to learn learn more about you, to worship you, uh, and Lord, just please may your spirit be with us, continue to grow us, sanctify us, and teach us your word as we seek to learn from it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, what you would have uh, maybe heard about before um, in all of my ramblings is that around Jesus' time, things were not very good for Jewish people. Rome was taking the charge. They they owned Jerusalem. Uh, the 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 Jews had to pay taxes, uh, they, they didn't have their own land, uh, and there was all these different things that were going on that made being a Jew very, very hard. And because of that, Jewish leaders and Jewish people in general were really keen to take back their land. So if you remember, if in Genesis 12, God promises Abraham this land, and there's this big story about how God eventually gives them that land, and it's their land, it's God's kingdom, they're in God's kingdom in this very special land, and it's been taken away from them when Jesus is around, and they're very keen to have it back. The, the thing they care about and the thing that's so central to their identity is that they want this land, it's their land, God has given it to them, and the Romans, this big superpower, has taken it from them and are oppressing them. And so when, when Jesus is around, people are planning, how are we going to take this land back? How are we going to get our land back, get our, get our temple back to its former glory, get our kingdom back? We're going to be God's people. We're going to be this great nation all over again. We just need to rise up uh, and take over this superpower and, and win our land back. And we need a Messiah to help us get there. We need a, someone who's going to come and, and bring back the plagues. Uh, someone's going to bring fire and brimstone upon uh, this, Roman, this Roman people. We're going to take it back. There were people that were ready to fight. There were people that were ready to start a rebellion. And, and eventually, uh, especially by the time Matthew was written, where we, where we have these Beatitudes, they actually fully, they went for it. There's this, this Jewish-Roman war where they, they try and take back Jerusalem and, and they have this initial success right at the beginning, but eventually Rome is, is too powerful. Hundreds of thousands of Jews die. Uh, they, they're trying to defend uh, what the remnant they have left in, in Jerusalem and, and they're trying to protect their gates uh, and they put up such a resistance holding to their land, holding to this hope that this is what God has given them and that they're going to overcome the Romans uh, and they are slaughtered. And while they're putting up this resistance, uh, they, they burn uh, down their, their gate uh, because there's no other way of getting in. And the Romans who were attacking, they actually, they didn't want to destroy the temple. They didn't want to destroy, it's kind of a superstitious thing, like you don't want to destroy something that belongs to a god and anger them. They didn't want the temple to be destroyed. 
but the, the Jews put up so much of, of a resistance that eventually, in, in trying to burn things down and get into the city, the temple catches fire. And the Jews are so focused on defending their land, uh, keeping these Romans out, that the Roman soldiers that were ordered to extinguish the fire are killed by the Jews. The very people that are, were commanded to go in and save their temple is burnt, uh, they're killed and the temple is burnt down. The, the thing that connect them to God, that this place where they would come into God's presence is lost. And this is a really, really significant time for the Jewish people because this is the time they lost their temple and the temple never came back. But they loved their land. They were passionate about their kingdom and they gave up everything. They gave up their lives. They were slaughtered because they had this deep desire for the kingdom to return. They couldn't handle not having this kingdom and they gave up everything for it. They were so focused and determined to have their kingdom back. And so if we rewind back to Jesus' time, we, we have this guy claiming to be a Messiah and he starts this sermon of all sermons and he starts making these big kingdom promises and these virtues that are going to get us there. This is how we're going to take over. This is, you know, what are we, what, are we, what plague are you going to be using? Are we dealing fire or water? Are we going to flood the earth? Like, are we going to, like what, how are we going to bring, bring this back? And today, the one that we're looking at is, blessed are the meek. How are we going to bring back the kingdom? We're going to be meek. And that doesn't really fit into the whole warrior, take back the kingdom kind of vibe. Like no, no army has ever prided themselves on their meekness. It's just not how we get there. It's not how it's done. It's not how, how people have made it out of the kingdom. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Not just the land, we're not just taking back our kingdom, but they will inherit the earth. And so, one of the things that we, we've noticed as we've gone through uh, is that these words are kind of vague, like these, these character traits are vague. And everyone has a different interpretation for the Beatitudes. Uh, everyone that comes up and preaches the Beatitudes and says everyone else is wrong uh, and this is the right way to preach them. Uh, and so I'm going to change things up a little bit and say I'm probably wrong uh, because statistically there's about 30 mainline interpretations and then there's like all these other little ones. So percentages aren't in my favour. But I think, here we go, I think Jesus uses the vagueness on purpose. They're, they're words that have different meanings. So... Uh, if I was to talk about uh, the word, so let's use the word game, all right? So the word game can mean different things. If I had uh, a deer, like a wild deer for dinner, that would be game, right? I had game for dinner, that fair? If I came and watched the, the Lakeside Men uh, spank the Willerton Tigers last night, I went to watch the game, all right? And if I saw one of our young adults uh, plucking up the courage to go talk to a girl, he has... Game, right? So if you came up to me and said, did you like the game? Which one are we talking about? Did I like the dinner that I had? Did I like the basketball? Or did I like watching my, one of the young adults try and flirt with a girl? Which one? And, and words can mean different things. And if I could describe my night, I could say it was gamey. 
And I could be talking about lots of different things, and I could purposely be referring to multiple things. And so this is the thing where this word for meek has multiple meanings uh, across the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, and I think Jesus uses it on purpose to mean different things because it, it hits people differently. And when we see all these different diverse people come together, it, it challenges them, it changes them, it has them discussing what, what kind of meek Jesus is talking about, and all of them actually achieve his purpose. All of them achieve, uh, well, the two that are there, I think, achieve Jesus' purpose and, and, and helps communicate the message that Jesus has. So the first one that we see uh, is that meek is, was a word that was used to describe someone who was poor, landless, and oppressed. So the poor and landless will inherit what? The land. They're going to get the land, which makes sense, right? Like it's this big contrast. And last week, uh, if you were here, we talked about how uh, two of the groups that Jesus talked to are people who would have seen themselves as the in crowd, these, these deeply religious people who saw themselves as they've done the right things, uh, they followed the law, they've gone to Sunday school every single week, uh, and all these different things. And they would have been looking to confirm how they're on the in crowd. And generally, uh, being really religious was tied up with your wealth. So if, if you were good, God would bless you with riches and prosperity and all that kind of stuff. And so to go and hear, blessed are those who are poor and landless because they will inherit the land, that kind of changes the way that you see things. And the point was that the kingdom that Jesus is bringing and the kingdom that Jesus is going to, to, to usher in uh, as this Messiah, uh, supposed warrior, is coming in, uh, the kingdom is going to be much bigger than you ever imagined. The, the kingdom is actually for people that you thought don't deserve to be in the kingdom. The, the kingdom is broader and, and includes people that, and, and is for people who we wouldn't expect to be in the kingdom. And then as we think about the, the poor and, and the destitute that are also coming to listen to Jesus, who traditionally have thought that God doesn't really care for them, people, people who thought that, that God has cursed them uh, or is against them because of their lack of prosperity, their landlessness, uh, their sufferings, God doesn't care about me. Jesus says, blessed are you, you are, the kingdom is for you. God gives them this kingdom promise of what is to come to those who even think that they don't deserve it. And the point is, the kingdom is for you. Because there's times where we don't feel like we deserve it. We feel like God wouldn't want anything to do with us, but the kingdom is for us. Uh, the second meaning uh, for, for meekness is this idea of humility and lowliness. Um, and, and this one is kind of more of like this attribute that you might chase. It wasn't often used uh, in uh, any kind of circles really for something that was like, sometimes people would list like these desirable traits that you would try and uh, achieve. It wasn't normally on that list, uh, but nevertheless, it was something that was used to kind of convey this idea of humility and lowliness. Um, the only two people in the Bible that are given this attribute are Moses and Jesus, uh, so both pretty good guys, uh, they did some good things, uh, and uh, it, it kind of comes up uh, probably more so in the New Testament after Jesus of these things that we would desire. And the third group that we talked about last week uh, of what group is being spoken to is Jesus' disciples or his followers. 
And so if you're coming to listen to Jesus, how do I be a part of your kingdom, Jesus? What are the, these attributes uh, that one uh, might want to, to follow or be a part of? Jesus says one of the traits that, that we see is the meek. Those who are humble and those who are lowly. Those who think less of themselves, those who empty themselves out. That is, that is those who inherit these kingdom promises. <clears throat> and so we, we understand that, and now we come to this issue of inheriting the earth, because the Jews definitely had zero success with getting their land back, like it didn't happen. Uh, they went to war, they, they got slaughtered by the Romans, uh, and they didn't inherit the land. Those, uh, if, if we talk about like some difficult reality, like people who were poor in those times often did not inherit any land did not end well for them. There was no prosperity at the other end uh, because they were with God. And if you think of Moses, like Moses didn't inherit any land. Like he was meek. He, God showed him the kingdom and said, look at the hill, like look at this, this is going to be the kingdom that, that where Moses is like, oh cool, when do we go in? He's like, oh, you're not going in, you're going to die first. 40 years, like, leading people around the desert, never got to see the land, never got to inherit the earth. Jesus, he marches into Jerusalem, ready to, you know, this army on this really, um, as a donkey, donkey, um, marches in on the donkey, uh, and then he's taken out of Jerusalem and then killed. They don't inherit, like, where's their land? Neither of these groups, no matter how you define make, they don't physically inherit the land... But Jesus is talking about something different. And this is the thing, Jesus' kingdom is different. It's not the kingdom of Israel uh, in, its, in its literal sense of what it was. He's not bringing back Jerusalem to its former glory and, and the Jewish people to their former glory. Jesus' kingdom is different and it's much, much better. When Jesus is talking about inheriting the earth and that the meek will inherit the earth, is Jesus is bringing in a new kingdom that is a different kingdom. A, a kingdom where, where, where Jesus is king. Not these kings who keep slipping up and, and sinning. Not these, these kings who have sons uh, who end up being a little bit of a disappointment. Um, not these, these kings that get taken over uh, by other kings. It's a kingdom that will last forever with Jesus as king forever. A good king, a good kingdom, and one that doesn't end. That is the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And that is the kingdom that Jesus is welcoming us into for those who are meek. The, the thing that we have to also define here is that when Jesus says the meek inherit the earth, Jesus isn't talking about a new set of rules. When he's saying the meek inherit the earth, when he's saying that the meek are going to be a part of this new kingdom, Jesus isn't kind of bringing in a new form of legalism where we kind of be like, all right, 10 commandments old, uh, new commandments are, are meekness. But instead... He's talking about those who see and value the kingdom, those who truly value that land, that new kingdom that is on offer, will be meek because the land is, is, is so worth it. The land is so much more valuable. So for the Jews, like they, they went and died willingly because they cared about their land so much. They gave up everything they had. 
because the identity of them having this land that God had promised them was worth them dying for. They gave up everything. They gave up everything. And, and so when we truly see and, and, and want this kingdom, we, we see this kingdom and we value it and, and see everything that it is, or even see part of what it is, we are willing to give up everything. We become meek, we empty ourselves and humble ourselves and give up everything we have for the sake of the kingdom. We empty ourselves and humble ourselves because the kingdom is so much more important and valuable. Meekness is not something that we, we do to get into the kingdom, but meekness is, is what happens to us when we see the kingdom, when we see the value of it, when we, when we experience how it changes us, when we experience how, like the love of Jesus, we become meek, we empty ourselves and humble ourselves, we let go of all the things that we love, uh, our, our, like our pride and, and all the things that we love deeply and how we, we want to elevate ourselves and be really important. None of that matters because we have the kingdom so much more important. Uh, in, in Matthew 13, if you go ahead a little bit, um, Jesus tells a couple little parables. Uh, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, uh, which is a bit dodgy. But then uh, his joy went and, uh, he so in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Uh, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. When we see the kingdom and the value, when we see that pearl, we are willing to empty ourselves and give up everything because it is so much more valuable. When we see the pearl, when we see how great the kingdom is, when we see how great what Jesus has to offer, we freely empty ourselves because something is so much more valuable than anything that we could hold on to. And it's not like we do it begrudgingly. It's not we do it because, like, all right, um, Braden said we've got to be meek, so now we've got to go be meek. Uh, it is, wow, this is something that is valuable and precious, and I would happily give up anything because it is infinitely more valuable. And just like the man with the church, like, with joy, I give up these things because this is so much more valuable. When, when we look to Jesus, uh, he did the exact same. Like Jesus, Jesus was one of the people called meek. And what did he do? He emptied himself out, gave up everything that he had because something was so much more valuable. Jesus died on the cross, though he was God, for the sake of the kingdom, so for the sake to bring us to him. Isn't that crazy? Like to give up so much, to give up everything he had, to give up his, his position in, in heaven with God, to, to go down and, and suffer death on a cross because something was more valuable. When we get to Philippians 2, um, we, we have a passage that, that 
um, talks about exactly this. It says, so about Jesus, so, so being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself out by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He did what? Humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. And then the inheritance, so Jesus, so therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we see the valley of the pearl, We become meek. It's just what we do. We, we, things that we give up things. We, we lower ourselves and think less of ourselves because there's something so much more valuable on offer. It's just what happens. And, and so one of the things that, that we, we, sometimes we, we, we lose sight of things or we get, like sometimes we, we, we forget how much the, the pearls are worth. Uh, and so one of the things, I, I just want to give us some practical steps, like what does that look like? How do we kind of see the value of these pearls and, and how do we, the, the pearl um, and um, how, do, how do we go about that? So one, uh, I think the most important thing is to continue to see the value of the pearl. And so that means that we continually to turn to the gospel of Jesus. Okay, so the gospel, when we, when we look at Jesus, look at what he's done, look at who we are, Look at how he saved us. Look at, look at what, what the kingdom is and, and how that changes our life. We, we see the value of the pearl, right? So we, we see the value of the pearl. And so continually, daily, we look at the gospel. We look at what Jesus has done repeatedly for the rest of our lives so that we remind ourselves this is what the pearl is worth. This is what the pearl is worth. This is the kingdom that I value so much more. Because when we see it and we think about it, we may, wow, I'm willing to give up everything for this thing. This is amazing. I love this pearl. And so we continue to turn to the gospel. We continue to look at the death and the resurrection of Christ. We look at how we are saved from our sin and our shame and our death. We look at how we have the gift of eternal life freely despite the fact that we don't deserve it. We continue to look to the valley of the pearl. Cool, we got that one? Last one. Uh, so we also, we, we want, sometimes we, we kind of also, like we just don't see the pearls or the pearl. Sometimes, sometimes we just kind of lose focus a little bit of, of, of where there's opportunities to bring the kingdom in and to share the kingdom. Sometimes we just lose sight of that a little bit. Sometimes we just, like, we, we just don't think about things. We have blind spots and, and that's normal part of human existence. And so it's handy to remind ourselves, hey, there's a kingdom opportunity here. There's a time to bring people into the kingdom. There's a time to share the gospel with this person. There's a time to help people in need across the world that we can help to, to bring in kingdom light to these places. We can, we can show, we can, we, can, we can just show the pearl. We can, we can look at what the kingdom is and, and help people to see it. Uh, one of the things that, that we do really well at Lakeside, 
uh, and, and I want to keep encouraging on this, is like we're meeting in a shed. Uh, we had a setup team that had to come in at 10.30 last night to set up because there was a basketball game on. Uh, we got a whole bunch of blankets out because there's no heating. Um, probably half your chairs are wet because the roof is leaking. Um, and, and, you know, like there's all these problems that we deal with on a week-to-week basis. Like it, it's, it's truly, it's difficult. And it's frustrating. But when we see how much the kingdom is worth, not a problem. The, the fact that, that we get to share the message of Jesus with, a, with those basketballs that are, you know, holding us off from being able to set up at a reasonable time of the day, uh, we're able to talk with them weekly about Jesus. We're able to share the gospel with them. Where We have basketball players who are Christians who are sharing, you know, they're catching up for coffee because they want to know more about Jesus and why we would do such a thing. There, there's things that are happening, there's conversations that are happening throughout the week where we're bringing life to people who, who in, a, in a place with a shed, with lots of holes in it, with some uncomfortable seats uh, that are all wet because of the holes in the roof, but, but we're able to show the kingdom to other people and bring people into the kingdom because we make those sacrifices, because we empty ourselves out. We give up much for the kingdom because we see how valuable it's worth. That is, that is what we do. We, we give up ourselves for the sake of the kingdom. And so that is, that is one way I think we do it really well. It's really great to see like Lockie, look at him go. He's going to India of all places in the world to go to some mountain uh, to be a chaplain of a school. Uh, he's 19. He's probably got lots of better things that he could be doing, earning a lot more money because I think he's doing it pretty much for free. So if you want to help him out, that would be much appreciated. Uh, but he's going off to a, a, you know, a country that's very, very different to a place that's going to be very, very difficult, to a very much unknown, uh, in a place where everyone's telling him that he needs to have his career sorted and get his life together and find himself a good uh, wife uh, and have lots of children and work a nine-to-five job. And he's going off to go and serve Jesus across the world. He's emptying himself out, giving up aspects of his life for the sake of the kingdom. When we see the value of that, we empty ourselves out. And I want to encourage you, look, look at that gospel and look how we can do that. Uh, the one that I want to encourage you uh, in, uh, and so I, I think we, we, we definitely do aspects of this well, but part of my job, I oversee youth and young adults, so I have to do a plug for young people and how, and how we look at that. Um, so, like, some statistics on, in terms of young people, and so, like, one of the things I really care about is... One, like bringing young people to know Jesus, but also the, as the broader Baptist movement. So statistics say like 50% of people kind of in that transition to young adult age uh, leave the church. 50% is like the statistic they throw around. Um, another statistic is that youth ministry, like youth group, um, <coughs> isn't a reliable statistic of how that changes. So like your involvement in youth ministry doesn't necessarily change that. Um, another statistic is the average expectancy of a youth pastor, or so someone like generally young coming into ministry, they normally last about 18 months before they're fed up with it and go find a better job. Um, and then also, um, as a Baptist movement within WA, we have a lot more pastors retiring um, and getting old. Uh, and as a Christian movement, broadly speaking, church is also getting older. So that's, that's some kind of things that we're throwing around. And so I, I really want to encourage you guys to 
empty yourselves out and, and love young people um, and, and encourage them, like people like Lockie towards ministry and doing God's work, but also empowering young people within our church. Because sometimes they're really annoying. Um, like, they drive me absolutely nuts. Um, if you talk to our youth leaders, uh, they would say they're crazy. Um, and, they're, and they are really frustrating in many ways, and they're learning, um, and they're developing. And, and even as a young pastor, I'm still learning and developing and do lots of crazy things. And so for that, I apologize. Uh, but please... Uh, empty yourself out for the sake of young people because we want to see the kingdom grow. We want to see young people come to know Jesus and we want to see young people come up into ministry to grow and, and take the reins. And, and sometimes that takes a bit of sacrifice and sometimes it's really frustrating. But I really want us to see, uh, see us be a church that really cares about young people because churches who do that empower young people uh, they are churches who see young people come to Christ and stay in the church. When we disciple them in our homes and when we like, empower them, if you talk to pretty much every like, young pastor, um, they generally were like, on the worship team and someone let them lead worship. That's why they stayed around. And, that's, and then they're like, oh, I guess I go to Bible college because I've got nothing else to do because I'm just playing my guitar all the time. And so that, like, they just get empowered and someone loves them and cares for them and they just decide to stick around because someone just cared about them and showed them love and said, hey, like, you really suck at guitar, but I'm going to pretend you don't for a little bit while you go up and lead worship. That was, that's exactly my story. I talked to pastors down the road, that's their story too. So be a, a church that loves and, and cares for young people, that empties yourselves out for the sake of our young people within our church. Continue, continue to empower people to lead. Continue to, when they are incredibly frustrating uh, and do crazy things, continue to love them and care for them uh, because they're at a stage where they're trying to decide what they're going to do with their faith. Uh, and it can be the difference between someone being like, church sucks, it's just people being mean to me, uh, and someone like Lockie going like, all right, let's go to India um, and see what happens there and see what God does. So be, be a church that empties yourself out because you see the value of the kingdom, you see the pearl, and you want to do something about it, you see the value of that as well. See the value of that pearl. Cool. I'm going to pray, uh, and the worship team's going to come up on, on that little note. Um, sorry, I've just gone on my, my little rant, um, but I really, I'm really passionate about it, and I love to see young people know Jesus. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are a good God, uh, and we thank you that you love us deeply. We, we thank you uh, that, that you have revealed your kingdom to us, we thank you for this kingdom that is on offer. We, we thank you um, that you care for us deeply, that you died on the cross, that you emptied yourself out for us. Lord, help us to be reminded of your kingdom. Help us to be reminded of where people can see your kingdom and know you where people can have a relationship with you. Help us to empty ourselves out because nothing is more valuable than your kingdom and seeing people join us in that kingdom. We, we thank you for Lakeside. And we just thank you for the gift that it is to, to be able to meet here and em empty ourselves out um, and, and to, to love people in the basketball community and in our local community in so many ways. We thank you for these people and just how, how they have sight of that kingdom, that they're willing to sit here on wet seats in a cold building uh, and worship you because they want to see people know you. 
In your name we pray. Amen.